I, I am from the 90s. I did ride small wheels. I do ride black grip and white wheels. I understand all that stuff. There are some tricks I just that just disgust me. But at the same time, I'm willing <laughs> to be more open. I understand um, there's room for more than one type of skating right now. And I think the industry really needs to understand how to address that. What's up, skaters? Welcome to episode 29 and feeling fine of Bent City. I'm sitting here <laughs> with Ted Schmitz, Ryan Lay, Ted Barrow, and our special guest tonight, Jesse Van Rockout. How are you guys all doing tonight? Good. Muy bueno. Doing great. I don't speak Spanish. Pretty, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. What's everybody been up to? Ted, uh, reporting from a dark room again in somewhere in NorCal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I spent an hour trying switch flips, switch nose manuals, did not do them, but oh. had very encouraging switch flips and uh, took a bike ride. That nice. is one of my favorite fucking things about filming, which I don't do anymore because I film my tricks like first or second try now. Mm. Um, mm, nice. But, but you know when you're like filming a line and it starts with, uh, I don't know, in my case, like a big flip up a curb, something easy. Uh, but no, it's like you start with like a kickflip up a curb. And when you're 60 tries in on and you can't get the third trick and maybe you let it go. But you're like, damn, I did like fucking 50 kickflips. Yeah. In a row. Like you, you start to think about like that. There was actually like some small victories in there, even though you don't get the clip. And you're like, damn, that was pretty tight. I like I didn't know if I could switch flip up a curb. I guess I can do it 25 times. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that that's that, that was nice. I had some good folders there. Um, that's such a weird beam, and now I feel self-conscious. Um, some good folders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, um, for, for sure. Yeah. Especially with the switch flip nose manual. You get that nice poke. Yeah, it's the poke, right. Um, <laughs> I had a really nice time. I got to skate with you, Alex, a couple weeks ago. That was cute. That was fun. Oh, that was great. And where, what was that spot we were at? Uh, that was Rockridge, but we call it Space Curb to distinguish it from the other Rockridge. Oh, Rock the, the North parking lot or the East West yeah. East parking lot. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's my old home spot. I miss what? it. So, yeah, I know. Ted, you and I were just like crossing ships in the night there. <laughs> I, mo I moved up to Portland, uh, but I had been skating the Rockridge curbs as my only lazy spot for like six years. Oh, that's the best. It yeah. is the best. It's the best community. That is what makes that the best. That's a true like astral alignment when you got like a good community at a good spot that's not a bust. This that's is true. Not a park. It's a miracle. Yeah, agreed. That was nice. Um, but that's where we were, um, Alex. Yeah. As you well know. That was great for the five minutes. I, I um asked consent before hugging Ted because of COVID. So yeah. And he, he consented. I did, and I, I don't have COVID. Neither do you. I, I yes. Don't. So yeah. far, so good. Yeah. yeah. Ryan. You asymptomatic folks. You're asymptomatic. <laughs> Ryan, you've been ripping, sending the group chat uh, lots of clips. Yeah, working uh, working on a little video part, I think. Um, I was just going to say, like, I, I really envy when I see Ted's stories and he's just got this, again, really rich community of people like skating the sledge spot. And I'm like, why the fuck does Ted Schmidt skate at two in the morning by himself? But <laughs> <laughs> every day I'm like, Ted, let's go out skating. Uh, no, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not skating till till one tonight. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's cooling down here a little bit. and We've been skating a lot, so that's been good. And my ankle's like in the stage where I, where I could skate uh, 
but definitely get hot pockets, you know, from time to time. But it's been fun. That's good. As your team manager, I approve. Right. Yeah. Would you would you offer a different answer if uh, your team manager weren't the one asking you the question? He's been texting me like how lazy he is, how burnt he is. He's like, ah, I'm yeah. never gonna film a clip again. But like, let's see how much crux like whole money I can get. Yeah. Like, sh- send us pictures on the like side dude chat of Vent City, which is just his like ground ground up. Vendors. <laughs> Oh. All right, you're 86, Ryan. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, that's all I want. Schmitz, how's uh, the nightlife? Uh, it's good. Uh, it's still triple digits here. So, yeah, I've been skating uh, between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. Uh, from Thursday to Sunday, and it feels wonderful. I did skate with Ryan Lay in the day the other day. It didn't feel great. But uh, the most important thing is that I just finished up counting whether or not somebody was regular or goofy on every single Thrasher cover over the last 40 years. So wow, Ted, um, please, Ted, please tell Ted. me that you wrote the caption for the hockey video that came out today. <laughs> hockey please. brings the pain. Please, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta read this out loud because I was la- I was dying laughing reading this today. Ave, K. Rod, and Aiden beat up at the intersection of aggression and attitude for some serious slams and miraculous makes. Hockey brings the pain. <laughs> I mean, there's a that lot of alliteration. That is what we're going for, okay? Yeah. What you need to know that I learned, because I've done some embarrassing shit in the reply all emails, meet up as one word is a noun. Meet up is how you say somebody does it as a verb. Uh, but I just showed everybody my ignorance today because I used one word, meet up. Also, I <laughs> captioned a video of Miles Silvis and called him Mason. So. Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> oh. Yep. Yeah. So we're Je- good. Yeah. Jesse, how does it feel to be on vent? Tell me what's going on in your life. How you doing? Um, strange times. I mean, you might have noticed this year. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, no, I mean, it's been pretty good. I guess it, in a way this year has been like such a pause, but it's also felt so hectic. And I just got back from Canada. Um, it's not very exciting. It's not the skate trip I would have loved to have done, but I got to spend some time with my mom. Um, we got to do our quarantine together. They're really serious there, which is good. That's why that country is still functioning like normal, like nothing <laughs> is happening up there. It gave me a whole new perspective for coming back to the U.S. where I'm like, oh, I guess a lot of this was just like my own built in anxiety from seeing everything that's going on and overthinking everything and being on emails 14 hours a day and, you know, just in a very reactive state, (laughs) but it's not perfect there either, but it is, um, I mean, yeah, it just gave me perspective. I mean, I mean, Jesse, you grew up in uh, Kelowna, right? Yeah. I grew up in Kelowna, British Columbia. It was, I mean, I had a great crew skating there. It's kind of funny. Like just the people that I skated with, there's, it's a random place to come from, but sometimes there's a crew that comes up like that. And it was like skating with Ryan Smith when he was like 10. And I was probably like 12 or 13, right when I started skating. And then some other people around there were like, uh, the first time I really remember being super stoked on skating was, uh, I went to this preschool that was run by the, uh, I'm not sure what to say. I won't say their real names to give them away, but the Dear Man of Darkness, Darkness that was like writing for Foz's company Heroin a few years ago. Ooh. And it's random that that was like my first time I saw skateboarding. It seems inappropriate, but it was, Wait, he, he was, was a different guy back then. Yeah, he, he was, was like, a toddler in a ski mask. He was, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he was like six and we were like four and he came and did a demo for us with his older brother and they were they were awesome i mean yeah those guys were great though so they were like had pretty good examples of skating from like that probably would have been like 1984 no earlier in that yeah, night wow. 1982 or something yeah so i saw skating then and i just always thought it was like the coolest thing even though they were just like six and eight year olds tic-tacking across the parking lot it's really <laughs> seemed awesome to me <laughs> uh took a while to get into it and then yeah and then like my first board i got it the garbage dump which sounds super impoverished but it was just like i just saw someone throw out this little banana board and i just grabbed it and that was i had a ton of fun on that having no idea about skateboarding at all just pushing back and forth in a straight line on my parents deck and that was that was like the only thing i did for years until i got like a proper deck when did they build that uh yeah. the Kelowna skate park because i just realized that uh i love that park we we did an ipad demo there like maybe 15 years ago and it looked like it was a pretty old park because it was covered in graffiti yeah so there's two i'm kind of thinking the one you're talking about is probably like the newer one called ben lee um which yeah, has a big haba and a double set yeah that's a super good park that was I <laughs> yeah that sounds like ryan's park yeah, per I, I perfect kind of park 10 stair double I, set gap to rail I, I, tend, <laughs> I tend to think all of us would actually like the original park better but the so when i was in high school probably like around 16 the the first park was built downtown and that's the one i skated which was weird it was connected with a water park and it's like the first demo i ever saw there was gons was had just gotten unreal and he did like a transfer grinding like the water slide into the skate park and so it was it was like a beautiful wow. mix of weirdness not necessarily great to skate but like a good creative spot and then the park that followed later was like really perfect if you want to learn but, to jump on double sets. But it, yeah, it, lit it literally has a five flat five kinked rail that goes down flat down. Yeah, and, and the kids session it like, yeah, it's just like that was the, I mean, that was that era that was zero. That was like, welcome to hell, like that whole zone. So yeah, there was, I mean, I was skating with Ryan Smith and we jumped on a handrail at the same time. And I was just wondered like, how did you get that insane to just be like, oh, I got this like five stair. Why don't I just take it to the 22? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's know. It's Nirvana song. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you make that shift. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So anyway, props to that guy. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a very different scene than, than like, you know, where I ended up in San Francisco. That's, I moved down there. I feel like I'm like making this more long winded than I should. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. It's no, good. I want to um, know. I mean, yeah. anybody who's got stories about the kickflip no slide king of San Diego, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, we could probably shorten that up a bunch. I mean, Even I have. He's from Canada. Yeah, he's from Canada. And Mac now rode for the same shop too, but that wasn't really my scene. Damn. <laughs> I ended up. Uh, it was my scene. Going it was, on trips. It was, it was, I know. Yeah, we got this sick 18. <laughs> Ryan, We're going to nose blunt. Ryan yeah, deflected this all with that, that terrible double set. Um, I Yeah, I ended up, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to travel from a really young age. My mom was a flight attendant, and she took us everywhere. And I think Alex has heard me talk about this a lot. Like, I realized how amazing my mom is in hindsight in not really forcing me to do certain things and really been open to me skating especially you know as a girl because a lot of people didn't have that experience I mean I have kind of a gender neutral name that could be anything and my mom just really let me do what I wanted to do um 
we we traveled like I got to skate Pulaski Park. I just remember getting to I took my skateboard on every trip everywhere we went. So I like, got to skate the Trocadero in Paris, like all the all the old spots that were like kind of way before my generation. I got to skate all of that stuff just from traveling with my mom and seeing that there was like this bigger world there. And then at that time, SF was still just like the Holy Grail. So that was I was like a beeline there as soon as I I graduated early and I moved down there in like early 96 yeah a while ago and i think it was still like green benches at union at that time and it was so Mm -hmm. intimidating like the very first day i showed up in sf i ended up rolling around with like cairo foster and um my friend john tripp who was just filming that was how i hooked up with that crew and kayla's tray flipped that gap that was an opener for 411 and i feel like he did it in like three tries or something the best wow and i was sitting on a yeah, sitting on a ledge next to Rick McCrank, and we we're just like clapping in the background of that shot. And that's just Canadian <laughs> hype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that company skated for before Plan B? McCrank, like Cherry Bomb or something? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that is some depth of knowledge. <laughs> yes, I believe that is what it was called. Yeah. yeah him and Ke- Kenny Reed skated for the same company, right? I did not know that Kenny Reed skated for them. I mean, I, I hung out with I Kenny so. a lot in that era in SF and traveled with yeah. him to Europe and yeah. stuff, but didn't. I did not know that he wrote for Cherry Bomb. He was on New Deal already pretty quick then. Ah, uh, right, right, right. I think before that, yeah. yeah. Wow. I first learned about Rick McCrank in Yeah, Right?, uh, that, that's when he uh, came onto the scene for me. I'm just kidding. I'm a big The End fan. <laughs> yeah, you got this is like some deep knowledge here in this group. Um, deep cut. Yeah, yeah. It makes, it makes it hard to tell. I'm a I'm a I'm a big uh, Rick McCrank switch Benny Hanna over the pyramid uh, guy. Yeah, that that that's for the real heads. Our favorite era. So Jesse, when did you start? What was your first like board sponsor? And then so the first demo I saw, I think I mentioned like seeing Gons like skating when he right right first got on real. They came and did yeah. a series of demos around the area where I lived. And I was like, not necessarily full on groupie, but just so hyped to skate. I just showed up at every one of those demos. There were like three towns around the, the lake where I grew up and they I went to all three of those demos. And then at the end of those demos, maybe even like the second one or something, Mickey Reyes gave me his card and was like, hey, you should, you know, you should give me a call. And I was saying like, oh, actually I come down to SF sometimes. So like, maybe I'll, I'll call you if I'm down there and we can skate. But I had like no clue. And this was before cell phones. So like the number he gave me was at the office and I called and it was like a Saturday or something. And obviously he didn't answer because it was like a phone number in the office. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I always got boards like in gym was so supportive. I always got boards from them whenever I showed up, but I just didn't even know the concept of flow or anything. Like, so I would just roll in there with John Klein at the time. Like I would met him skating at union square. And every time I went in there, I'd walk out with like eight boards, but I just didn't understand that there was like this, like not on the team, but you're getting boards, um, mm-hmm. stage of things. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> So you'd walk out being like, I'm sponsored. <laughs> no, no, no. I was or, like the or, opposite. I was uh, like, oh, that was really nice. Okay. Let me give me some boards. Cool. Like, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, nice. Okay. And they just then, had um, eight extra skateboards. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was always just super appreciative, but I never, like, I never expected anything of it, but like also just had no idea of the concept of flow or anything back then. And and then uh, it was, Mickey was actually the one who put me in touch with Catherine and Elska at Rookie. 
and like yeah. at might have been at the ASR trade show, I think. I remember Saved Alex's um, life. Saved my life. <laughs> ASR trade shows? Mm. Yeah. Yep. It's the name, it's Man, the name those of things the show. are dangerous. I'll link you. Oh. Yeah, those are crazy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I remember meeting Catherine and Elska who had just started rookie at the time, and they gave me their card. I did a I remember I did a backside flip over this hip at I think it was like Trans World had these demos or something everyone just skated it was like some weird section in 401 you can imagine like horrible music just like just to like brazil playing vast oh wait wait if it was 401 it was like Bugazi. goldfinger and fucking lag wagon <laughs> yeah something like that yeah it was some so of my yeah faves. i skated there and, <laughs> and the, yeah and then like ended up getting their phone number but but still there was like and it's funny because i think about this now that i deal with younger kids it's like more an instagram version of the same thing but like just no idea yeah. <laughs> of what's going on yeah and i did a, a road trip out to new york that was really really unplanned like i just um john klein and frank gerber were driving out to new york and i i flew to seattle and i met them which was crazy because it was like my mom was a flight attendant, so I had these free passes. And I just got on the flight the last second, and it sounds like 10,000 years ago, but like there were no seats yeah. left on the flight, but I could get on through these airline passes on empty seats. And the flight was full, but then they, the pilots were like, oh yeah, you can sit in the cockpit. I mean, this <laughs> is still like 1997 or something. Yeah, I was so, say. Oh, so like I ran on the plane last second and I sat in the cockpit with like the, um, they had like this sort of seat that folds down. It's like a jump seat that folds out of the door. So it's just like sitting on like a McDonald's tray with a seatbelt on or something. And I sat in that and I sat in the cockpit and we flew to Seattle and I got off the plane and I walked down and I somehow met them. And it's just like, I just say this stuff because it blows my mind looking back on it. Like, how did that ever work without cell phones or anything? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. 1-800-COLLECT. <laughs> No, like I, I literally just walked down to the airport and those guys just seemed to pull up. That's my memory of it. And we, uh, Frank and I got so drunk right away. And then John drove us all the way to New York. That's the very condensed version of that story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long binge from Seattle to New York. Yeah, it was, we, we stopped and slept in a few parking lots on the way. But uh, yeah, we got Same. there. We skated the whole way, actually. Yeah, But I'll spare you all the details. I feel like we've, we're already we're already going very granular here. But yeah, I got to New York and... Um, and then actually, yeah, that trip was, was kind of a lot of time to spend in a two-door car with three people. So by the time I got yeah. to New York, I was like, just take me to JFK. I'm going home. <laughs> and, uh, no, yeah, really? Yeah. Did you did you not like meet up with Catherine and Elska or anything? I, I did. Or, like... So I, I was there and I had already like gotten ready and checked in for the flight and was super excited to shower and all kinds of things you don't do when you're sleeping in a two-door car for like a week. Uh, and then I I was like, oh, well, I have their number. I should just give them a call. I should I should check it out. And I I totally didn't think like it would go anywhere, but it did. And like Catherine was like, yeah, yeah come downtown right now. Like I'm I'm actually going to be at work in an hour. Just come down to extra large, which was right across from Supreme at that time. It was like the same thing as I was saying with the Rockridge curves when you have like a time when everything yeah. syncs up like the community the crew and the the space and everything 
so yeah, I just showed up there and then ended up staying at Catherine's. And the first person like I got to skate with, I went across the street and went to Supreme and I went out skating with Harold Hunter and this guy Rich from Fiveboro, like such a random crew, mm -hmm. but it was just like, that was literally the first person I was introduced to in New York. And we had such a good time skating all over Soho. So that's like yeah. my first memory of that. And at that point, I oh, still probably great. hadn't showered in five days. So yeah, skater. <laughs> but <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 But Rookie was so amazing for that. I mean, in that era and like as a company, I was always very jealous whenever I'd see like ads and stuff. Of oh, that's, that's very sweet. Yeah. I still was fully clueless at that time. And I remember going out and shooting a photo with Alexei Zavilov, who does Moto Berlin now. Yeah. Alexei was so mm -hmm. sick. And it was like literally, you know, like I hadn't not, I didn't know it was going to be an ad. I didn't, I didn't, had no idea what was going on. I was just like, yeah, cool. Let's go skating. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. And I so appreciate the support they had. And more than anything that I just like happened to land in New York at that time when all of that stuff was happening and being able to experience that because like, that's, that's just like mythical now to think like, yeah, sat on a McDonald's tray in a cockpit and flew and did a road trip yeah. <laughs> with zero this planning is, it, and ended up skating with Harold Hunter in New York. <laughs> is this like 96, 97? Yeah, probably like, uh, it was, it was actually the only thing I really blew it on on that trip was that the thing that was happening that Halloween was the alleged gallery show. And I was kind of like, Oh, I think I should go home. Like I'd already like uh, stayed in New York yeah, yeah. for like two weeks or something. So yeah. I think that was the fall of 96. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, the, that su the following summer in 97, which I don't, that may have been the summer that I met you. Although I think I may have met you in Lausanne the following summer, 98. Oh yeah. I, that's my re recollection. But yeah, Samir and I went on a weird road trip with Alexi through like Eastern oh, France and Switzerland. Amazing. It was amazing in retrospect, but it was like the weirdest, most unpleasant <laughs> experience for like a provincial Texan that spoke not a word of French. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. I had, like, yeah, Samir is great, man. That's like the first person I, I ended up hanging out with in Paris. Like, yeah, just skating yeah, at Bastille yeah, Ledges with him and Celine and stuff. Oh, best spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's how we, I think he's who introduced us or is through that context we met in Europe. Yeah. But that's cool. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I appreciate you. You know, I, I just think of like so much how you don't really always know the depth of people. And when you're out skating, you're just like, I just always thought of like switch backside, tailside, Ted. I remember someone saying that <laughs> rookie. And I was like, that's, that's, a, that's about as perfect. That's the best trick though. <laughs> that's, that's, that's as, unfortunately, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing there. It's funny because yeah, I would move to New York 20 years later and he would still be referred to as switch backside, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I it's mean, it's, a, it's, one it's a great stance in a, in a great direction, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. But yeah, there's there's more to people like us. That's what I find beautiful about life. What, yeah. what uh, what kind of stability yeah. and support was was available at that time for for women skating? So for me, like I was saying, like I I happened to really luck into being in that moment where I was coming into it when it was expanding and that always happens there's like the economy is expanding and people are like oh look we can make more money here's this you know 50 percent of the population we're not addressing we could probably make some more money there and i feel like that's how it went when i was in it like um i mean at the same time i was fully told like even in my hometown there was one board company they were like you're good enough you're as good as everyone else on the team but we can't put you on the team because you're a girl 
you know? So like it went from being like wow. those arguments that were like, it just shows you how like logic is totally like the dominating facet uh, <laughs> of our life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Not logical really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when I, when I went out there and started talking with rookie, I mean, I didn't even realize like it wasn't really like a formal skate company, you know, like they were coming into it. Like we want to do this cool thing. We want girls and guys on the team. And I, feel like that is still so powerful like that's the moment we're in right now where it's like this truly inclusive vision of skating and that's I, I feel really firmly that is what it needs to be like whereas back then guys were always I felt like the dominant like core scene was sort of like oh here's girls skating it's over in this corner like mm -hmm. you know let it be there and rookie really the vision that they had other than like really sick aesthetics was just like opening that door to that possibility that you're on a team like Tino Raza's on the team Jamie Reyes is on the team like we're all on the team and we're all like skating for rookie I mean at the same time to like Ryan's question it wasn't like there was no money in core board companies back then it was like I made all my money from Vans and from Billabong and you know you can pass any judgment you want on all of that, but that's sun money, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. People people stress a lot on that, but like it was a miracle to make money and live off skating. I mean, as anyone like for anyone to make enough money off skating is a miracle. But especially if you were like a woman back then, or even or a European, you mm -hmm. know, like it was. Yeah. There's so many things like. Bob Boyle told me one time, and this gives me so, so has given me so much strength over the years. He said, like, you know, when when we came over here in like the late 80s and like early 90s, people used to sell say that Europeans could never sell boards and that no Europeans should ever be fully sponsored. And and now look at like all the coolest brands are from Europe, pretty much. And, so, and Jean Baptiste yeah. Gillet is still on uh, Primitive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to say it applies uniformly to the whole continent, but yeah, yeah. Just I just think there's there's like a lot of logic of convenience that people apply with their own lens and don't really um, think a lot about. Yeah, it seemed like saying. the logic at the time was just have you have you seen that name? Try to pronounce that name. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I suffer from that as well. Like, I don't know what name is showing up here. It might be my full name or not on the. It looks long. Yeah, you need a you need a pronounceable name. That still helps. It's even better if you can be like just a cool enough name to only go by your first name. Or in your case, when they would just write "rock out" because <laughs> it couldn't spell your yeah. last name, Jesse Van Rock yeah. out. <laughs> Not pronounceable unless you're Dutch. Yeah. yeah. I was just talking about that. There's like a there's a serious. Um, like apology tour that the U.S. Uh, skate complex needs to do <laughs> to Rodrigo Texiera and the other one, uh, like last month. What, what? I got pretty close, didn't I? <laughs> but I heard that Wade Desarmo's last name is Desarmo, and it's like a it's like a beautiful yeah. French name. There needs to be some some justice done for what happened to uh, uh, flagrantly non-U.S. names. Yeah, we need like snowboard names. Yeah. Like the three initials, like A, that's how you do it. That's the right way to do the, the unpronounceable European names. <laughs> Did you have a board on Rookie? Forgive my ignorance. Yeah, I, 
I did. It was, uh, I should have not taken stuff so seriously. I should have tried to do that sooner, but I was like, I have to graduate. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this, you know? And so I waited till I graduated, which was not great timing because it was like, by then it was like the fall of 2001 and rookie was right in the zone of New York that like on September the 11th, 2001, there was no more power there. Mm -hmm. For like three months that was basically like kind of i mean rookie still went on for a while but that was like for a board company that's kind of going month to month i think that was you know that was kind of like a little bit of a tipping point what did you what did you study and finish uh in school i have a degree in cultural anthropology nice yeah it's <laughs> it's been so useful it's funny people talk about how useless their degrees are and yeah I did really want to do design, but at that time, like having a laptop that could really run design software wasn't even an option. And I was mostly just like, I'm traveling and skating as much as possible. Like I would do all my courses on Tuesdays and Thursdays and just try to go on a trip every single weekend somewhere. And I was like, I was flying so much. It was crazy. But I really appreciate that I did that because there's something about like liberal arts degrees and that thinking that is still valid 20 years later whereas like if i hadn't learned some software it would certainly be obsolete but i I definitely put my time in learning software and teaching myself design software uh so i graduated and in a way was quite fortunate because i still had contracts that were valid with vans and billabong and stuff like that that were more long-term contracts and then with the economy in the state it was in the dot-com crash in San Francisco, there was no possibility of getting a job. So I just skated every night. I would go out every night at like 11 p.m. Boom. The wind stops. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know. Nighttime, <laughs> the right time. I would skate with yeah. like this wonderful crew of weirdos. Like my friend Jordan is someone I used to skate with all the time and he would have all the lights timed for all of SF. We could bomb every hill all the way down to the Embarcadero and just... We would All skate right. every night till like four or five in the morning. Tally to hide. I know then, it. <laughs> that one, that one. But also we would start way further up. We would start up by like Fulton and like up by USF. Not really nice to... flex I, right there. I just, I just, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to also, I want to forewarn you that for some strange reason, Jesse, uh, Ted S takes it as a personal affront when people who have any background in San Francisco name streets or parts of San Francisco as if the rest of the world yeah. is supposed to know that. No, oh, I'm sorry. That, okay. l- listen, I know about 17 Illinois suburbs and four streets in San Francisco. That's my frame of reference to seem like I'm worldly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was a one. It was just like I just feel really privileged to have been in in SF at that time with a rad crew of random weirdos and like people like that guy, Jordan, he works at like, I think he works at Bloomberg now on like cyber securities or something. It's, it definitely wasn't like your right. average skaters. It's the kind of yeah. skaters that skate late at night, like Ted. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's also kind of an interesting uh, period for SF because it's like, wasn't like the sort of industry stuff all the people that kind of were SF skaters had like moved yeah. down to LA. Oh, totally. And so there's, there's like people, there weren't like even regular filmers and stuff like that. So it seemed like there were more creative skaters and like newer arrivals that were sort of redefining it, but it was out of the spotlight. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely was career wise. It would have been smarter to go to LA or even New York though. I always felt like, I mean, yeah. New York was so amazing, but I also felt like it was such a full on party mm-hmm. when I was there that if I actually lived there, that it would, 
just be a bad thing would be too much. Yeah, it was like known as the place where yeah. careers go to die. <laughs> yeah, and then it and also like yeah, yeah. then it became Name like one. all these skate parks. And <laughs> it's different now. Like, well, I mean, also Catherine. I mean, I'm not sure when she started doing this, but like my first bar job in New York, I I was Catherine's bar back at Black and White. Oh, that's you know? sick! Like, I I didn't know that. Just need to switch yeah, backside to hillside ten. Switch backside bar back. <laughs> He's got and, two. And, 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 and <laughs> yeah, she was great. Yeah, um, yeah. The Catherine and yeah. and Elsko were incredible. I mean, especially looking back on that, because to me at that time I was like, oh, they're doing rookie. But the fact that they were working full time jobs to make a living in New York plus doing that is beyond insane. Yeah, and and very much playing host to. Visiting skate, you know, Me. like I think Samir and Antoine and you, <laughs> and like all these people, like yeah, yeah. This, was, this is a total yeah. tangent, and we can cut this if it's just way off base. But were you in a video game? No, that's where I totally also could have made more. Money. Okay, because I, <laughs> I have, I have wow. like memories of playing those pre THPS uh, or like pre Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games that like. I think Thrasher had one for Sony PlayStation. And it was, there was called Skate and Destroy. You remember it well. It was a hit. It's, no, it's the, still really good to play. It's probably the best eight, skate video eight, or skate video. There was another. Yeah. There was well, another one as well. And I was like, I, was Jesse in that game? I can't remember. Grind session. Well, Day now one that was you in say it. that, I'm I'm wondering if I was in it because I do remember talking to someone about being in a game, but I feel like it was after Tony Hawk Pro Skater because like. I thought, like, oh, this is so sick. I'm going to make all this money and it's going to be okay. I can just skate for whoever I want and do whatever I want and just sell out in this one way. That was the start of like, we can't pay you, but we'll tag you. <laughs> yeah. That, well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I mean, now I would not be faring well in these modern circumstances. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like for me, I just I was so fixated on getting a, two photos every single month. I was like, that's what I need. I need two photos. I need to make this much in photo incentive. Like my whatever I was making in my retainer payment was like enough to pay rent mm -hmm. and that was it and then I was like I need to have two photos every single month and it obviously should have filmed way more but just at the time there wasn't the incentive to do that in the same way and it wasn't like if you weren't riding for a company that was putting a video out there was not really a lot of point in filming because there was no way to put a video out on YouTube or anything at that time so that's like something I look yeah. back on and, you know, obviously wish was different, but I just, I wasn't riding for the companies that were putting out videos. And like, I definitely filmed like with Alex for, um, when Alex is tough as nails, I know, you know, all know this, but like I was skating with Alex one night and she, um, for her ACL God and she was just it. like, not, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And you were so calm <laughs> the whole time other than screaming right when it happened. And then we went back to your house and you were like, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And you're just walking around on it. And then I took you to the hospital the next day and your dad met yeah. us and he was, he was so not pleased. And then he saw the flat bar in my car and he was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's a flat bar. <laughs> and that like, really didn't help the conversation. And then You're like, we're learning how to like lock in the backside grinds like feeble. <laughs> so you can take them through kinks in like 10 years. It's a, it's a whole thing. This is where it starts. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then like Alex uh, got out of the car with her dad and I found out, yeah, that you did need a new knee. Yeah. So. My dad like blamed you for that. Sorry about that, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ruined my girl's perfect knee. Who's this woman you're hanging out with? It blows out your knees, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't on the flat flat bar to be fair, but yeah. My memories of skating with you was um, <laughs> like you were in the mindset of shooting photos a lot. 
and you would put work in on the spots and you were the first person I ever met that would like bondo and like tape things and like like view spots through the lens of a photo or like how is this going to look and mm. I thought that that was like mm. so like next level <laughs> okay. I'm like oh she's yeah, I mean, professional I, I needed to pay for my food so <laughs> You've got to be serious about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can also, relate. Anybody who doesn't mask off their bondo is just like irredeemably immoral and lost. <laughs> like I, I I can't I can't function with that kind of chaos. Yeah, I, I liked all that stuff. Like the whole late night scene, like going out and doing stuff. And I mean, we did a lot in San Francisco too, just random like little like concrete fillers and stuff to make things skatable and uh, yeah, just like that's all part of the mission. Mm-hmm. So with I, I have like kind of a, a narrow view, obviously, because because um, of just the influences that I was taking in at the time. But what I've you know, we've talked to some people about over, you know, the course of the show is that most of the money coming into uh, the women's scene after that kind of X Games boom did kind of mean that most people were subsidizing their income contest to contest it seems like you were able to kind of operate outside of that. I mean, obviously not making like X games money, but did you have like a lot of pressure to like, you know, hop into the circuit or. Yeah. Well, I, I did contests and I feel like in hindsight, I kind of wished I hadn't, but at the time, just even like a thousand bucks was so much. So. Mm. Cause the dollars was... to pr- like, cause of inflation and like we, le- we left the gold yeah, standard. Yeah, macroeconomics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We got it. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was not a lot of money back then. Like I, I won a world cup contest in Brazil and I got, this was in 99. I got 500 bucks for it. I don't know what the guys were getting. It, they weren't getting like an insane amount either. This was like an era when like, it was like world cup, like mystic cup was happening in Europe, probably like around that time, like Ted was talking about the Lausanne contest. Like they were certainly making more money in the men's, but it wasn't, neither one was huge. And then like, I think Vans had like the triple crowns and some other stuff like that. There was one in Hermosa Beach. I won that was 1200 bucks. That was the most I got for first place. So yeah, prior to Mimi laying down the law, it was really bullshit for everyone. A rising tide raises all ships. Like that's for sure. Like women's pay being more makes men's pay being more. It's like just everyone should, should figure that out. Yeah, no, that's rad. So the incentive for, for, for most of your career was staying in the streets then, which is... Yeah, my photo incentive for, like, a single brand, and I think that's changed now. Like, that, in the same way that a board still costs what it cost in 1988, pretty much, photo incentive also still seems the same as probably whatever it always has been. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I feel like I don't... It's not even something that factors into the money that I make anymore. I, f- I feel like yeah. unless you ride for a, a big brand, it's kind of... Uh, people don't really value photos in magazines anymore it seems like yeah yeah it's so few and far between too Mm -hmm. and so like hard for skaters to get that yeah that probably it doesn't totally make sense that it's still there but it is as a legacy at least with you know big stuff that i'm working with can you talk about like you know it's like 2001 two three and we're kind of heading into the depression and then you kind of backed out of the skate industry you kind of stopped doing the pro skater thing yeah, I think for me, it was definitely always 
on my horizon that I always had a lot of interest. Like I had wanted to do board graphics. That was really what I wanted to do in college. It just was like when I went and looked at doing graphic design, it seemed like I would actually have to be at that era sitting there at these big computers that were in the school at that time with all the software loaded on them and everything. Uh, and I was just like, fuck that. I'm here to skate first and foremost. So that was, that was why I moved to SF. Like I was originally going to the university of Victoria for like the first semester of school until I realized like, I'm just like, I had the ball like run with it, you know, like I had just gotten all these sponsors. Why am I like turning around on this and doing this thing that I really don't want to do. And it wasn't that I didn't like school. Like I, I enjoy school. Like I feel like the more you learn, the more stoked you are on skating. And it's just like one thing positively feeds another thing. Yeah. Finishing that, it just became such an uphill battle. And I think I've definitely heard a lot of people say this, like, it's not just because I was a woman. It was just like the industry as a whole at that time. But I think like being a woman in that industry, like everyone just started cutting the women's program. That's like, it's the last to get at it and it's the first to go or so it has traditionally been even though potentially if you really wanted to gain more market share that would seem like the obvious place so um I, yeah just like gradually was like no no contract nothing getting renewed nothing getting renewed and then with rookie being gone that was kind of like even though board company's not your money it's still kind of like such a psychological staple Without that, it just felt like ah, like time for something new. And when I did, it took me so long to finally fully shift gears. And when I did, it was such a relief. It was just like, I felt so stoked to skate again. Like it wasn't a bad thing. I feel like all these people fear leaving the industry. And it's like, honestly, like it's kind of nice to just have everything be fresh again. It's like moving to a new city or it's like, just like, like, this is awesome. Like, everything is new and you see it with, in a different light. And so I was working and having a ton of fun skating and learning to program. I also, I went out to New York and then out to Paris and I had a sublet in Paris. And it's not like some romantic thing, like writing your novel or whatever you should be doing in Paris um, <laughs> traditionally. But I just like had an inflatable mattress. And at that point, I did have a laptop and I just learned to code HTML and then I taught myself Flash. And then through that, I got a job at an ad agency doing like Flash programming. And then there again, like a little bit swimming upstream because the iPhone came out. So Flash was dead, but I learned After Effects. And I just like, like everything I learned just kind of opened a new door to the next thing. And I just always try to stay like open to that and, um, and kept going with that stuff. And then like, probably like, uh, I guess it was like four or five years ago, I was talking with who is now my boss and I had always been giving, he'd always been asking me like, you know, who's sick in the women's scene? Like we're looking to maybe put some girls on Adidas or whatever. And I would always just be like, Oh, check, check this girl out or check her out. Like, mm -hmm. and then I was talking to him, I was going to start my own brand. And this was when I had been working at like contract at Samsung at an R and D lab doing like, a lot of interaction design and sort of like future vision user interface design. And so I was doing that for the day job and I had, uh, so I was, I was doing that at Samsung that led to like all those people quitting and going to Google. I got a job with that same 
same group, same people. And then I left that to go to Salesforce because at the time I was just like, I want to work at the boringest possible job where it's not that competitive and make a lot of money. I mean, it was still not easy at all by any means, but I was there and I was like, okay, I'm got, I've got this. I'm in a secure financial position. I can invest in my own company and do this. And I was doing that, but I was also so bummed on the job. And like maybe Ted could know this with our, our Bay Area knowledge, but like just like riding BART is crowded. I would leave the house at like 6.15 in the morning to take the bus into the city. And I'd be at work from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Like first bus in, last bus out, like try to skate Rockbridge curbs on the way home. And I just felt like so drained mm -hmm. just because I wasn't, I really wasn't stoked on it. So it's like in theory, I guess I could have been working on that stuff in the evenings, but I was just so down about everything. And then at that same time, trying struggling to start up that company, my boss, um, mentioned that they maybe had an opening and um and so i was like okay i love portland like if there's anywhere i want to be other than the bay area like that seems good i've got a ton of friends up there and you're like Just came i know Gant. i saw him in uh, 1986 he was uh <laughs> yeah. in the slide yeah <laughs> i wasn't that early it was like 96 oh yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know. wait 86 <laughs> was uh 86 was barrier cold sorry uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anyhow i came up here i did i definitely didn't think that that interview was going to amount to anything but the night before i was just like working on stuff putting together presentations and i was like i didn't even realize how late it was and i worked on it till like four in the morning and then like went in there and presented all that stuff and i sort of felt like in working on that i was just like there's i mean it's always a struggle right to find your passions and what's able to pay you money and what's like that's basically the eternal struggle of life yeah. so i was just like okay fuck it i should do this and there's not like time to do everything right now but this is a way that i feel like i can really be there and be the person that i wish had been there when i was trying to ride for these big companies yeah yeah, yeah. And then you found Lucas Puig yeah. and everybody uh, sung your praises. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I met Lucas. I remember like meeting Lucas at Union Square and we, I rolled up and they had just, everyone had just gotten kicked out. And I also, you had a podcast on a few weeks ago talking about like your ideal spot. Yeah. And I would kind of agree that getting kicked out can be the beginning of the ideal spot. Yeah, yeah. The sometimes the illicitness is is a little bit of a, a like a motivator. Lucas is not at my favorite spot. There's I. <laughs> I, I, I just <laughs> Union Square green benches. Like, no, it's just I hate the cops driving down the street, down the stairs. I'm trying so fucking hard to keep it together at 32, and it's just like my body's decaying, and every day I'm more tired. And Lucas is like older than me, seems to be getting hotter over time. Like has no need for a shirt. I'm pretty no sure need. wherever he goes, the temperature changes around him to maintain 75 degrees. Like, yeah, it's like the cartoon with the cloud with the rain, but the inverse it's the of the opposite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got like uh, the Biarritz climate, uh, yeah. little biome. Perfect sun. Yes, as as yeah, exactly. Like as just like global financial structures collapse, like Lucas seems to be like boosted up over i just i can't have that around around me it's not good so he's not allowed 
uh, at my ideal spot for the record. Yeah, Lucas was pretty set up before I got there, but yeah. <laughs> but I do remember meeting him at Union Square and everyone getting kicked out. And he was like 15 and someone was like, this kid is like, he's like Guy Mariano when he's 15 or something. <laughs> But way hotter. Like, well, <laughs> way hotter. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is right there. <laughs> Guy Mariano at 15 was about as hot as, as <laughs> um, So we're going to talk about the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you should just pick yeah. Yeah. Well, So you got this new job, and you're now working in your passion again, Jesse? Yeah. So like, I love sending emails. And you love sending emails. <laughs> mm. CC, BCC. No, but I, I do. I truly appreciate being in a position to have a say in an industry. It's not at all what you would imagine coming from skateboarding because it's obviously like a, a big company where there's a lot more going on. Like a lot of my job is explaining skateboarding to people who don't understand skateboarding, who are very willing to listen. But we obviously know what a thankless job that is to explain skateboarding to people who don't skateboard. It's like yeah. you feel like you just did a perfect job, and then it's like, so. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> what if you attach rockets to yeah. it? Yeah. Have you thought? What about lithium batteries? Yeah, yeah. There's always yeah. Or there's the story are, of like, oh, my first skateboard I stood on and I fell on my ass. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. I was waiting yeah. for that. Thanks. <laughs> there's some of those. Um, yeah, it's it, it's but it is really like I feel like it's a really interesting time in skateboarding, and I feel like also. We're talking about algorithms and going from like the gatekeepers who used to run the mags in the industry. And a lot of those people were great people, but I think didn't feel empowered because they were also in a big structure of kind of group think where it was like, this is what goes in the mag and that doesn't go in the mag. And it was like, yeah, there was a lot of unspoken assumptions and sort of like, I don't know what to say, like tidal energy to it, that this is what belongs here yeah. because this is how we see it and sort of making that leap. Like, I mean, I have had editors tell me we can't show a picture of you doing that because if we show a picture of you doing that, it'll make like the photo of a guy doing that not look as hard. Mm. And it's, so it's like that mm. same logic I was saying, like when now it's the other way around where it's like, Oh, you're, you're a girl and we need more representation. So it's like, but this, this whole argument of skill has been so, misapplied over the years i think like it's it's like people talk about like are overly critical of women like oh that's not the hardest trick but then it's like they'll put a photo of a guy doing that trick in there and they won't be critical of it you know but they'll be like oh yeah but it's just a photo for whatever it's sort of like a logic of convenience yeah, like yeah. i think you guys had it in one of your early podcasts like if skill is the metric let's just say that is the metric and then we would be you know, then skateboarding would look a lot like the national U.S. national team or something like that, more so than like Supreme yeah. or something. There would yeah. be no long Aiden Mackey manuals. There would be no Kevin Rodriguez curb moves. Oh, I love that <laughs> stuff today. That was a real highlight. Yeah. yeah, I love how creative skating is right now. I feel like everything is like we're we're talking about the spots, like when you have like something like Rockridge and you got like all these people going there at the right time when the skating fits the spot, when the spot is a safe space for everyone to skate, when there's a great community there, it's like everything lines up and that's how the industry is right now. It seems like, but it also yeah. could be about yeah. to go off a cliff. I don't know if that's what I'm. <laughs> right. I, Cause I'm really curious about like, it seems to me like 
you, you said this before, maybe before we were recording, about how certain things aligned really well, like fortunately for you, in the mid to late 90s where you could go to New York and Catherine Ernelska could have a company and you could, as like one of the few like non-male skaters, like there was a, there was a small place for you, but it was like one that, in which you could make like a living. And then there was a depression, a serious depression, which sort of affected all of the industry. And that was a moment for you to sort of take a step back and do what a sort a grown of job. type A per- <laughs> Yeah. Like <laughs> someone should actually do. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and we're now kind of in another sort of like upswing where where skateboarding is like very popular, where inclusivity is like a sort of like a a very like mm-hmm. compelling concept. And I was I was the reason I'm asking this is because like how how have this these standards sort of changed, and is it something that we can depend on and should sort of like rely upon? I, without I don't want to be too critical of it because I think it's awesome and and it sort of like defines my idea of skateboarding is this, but I'm also, sometimes I feel like a friend of mine was like, this is what the moment we're in right now is like neo expressionism in the eighties. So like expressionism (laughs) in like the 1920s in Weimar Germany was like this, like, you know, like color and like all this like loose brushwork and sort of like the engagement of non-Western art. And it was called degenerate art by the Nazis. And then neo expressionism was like Julian Schnabel and, Jean-Michel Basquiat and it was like the same style but the motivation for it was like very very crass and commercial and and he's saying that my friend was saying like the aesthetics may look similar but it's a generation and a completely different move away from like what it was in your generation you're you're in the 90s for example so I'm not trying to be critical at all I'm just I'm just curious as to like I want you. I would love love for you to talk from your perspective about like how the economy has affected these waves and why someone like Marissa Del Santo or something did not was not offered the opportunities that she may have been offered. Criminally missed window. Yes, I would. Ag- I would agree. Just the timing yeah. was right. So, timing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a big part of it. Like I, I took this one course where his teacher talked about apertures of opportunity. Like we're mm-hmm. sort of taught to see it as like, oh, everything's, I think like the last year has proved that's not necessarily the case, but like that there's always this forward momentum towards things being more progressive and more liberal and w- more rights for women and for everyone. Yeah. And I, on a really cynical level, I hate to say, but I do really see the only progress that ever happens, especially in business is when there's like perceived shared value and Right. I say that in a way that I, I think I actually heard it on some Harvard Business podcast or something. But that, that's it's this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much <laughs> this is the Harvard world. Business I mean, Skate I, podcast. <laughs> yeah. I I feel I feel comfortable going there after Ted's really wonderful obscure parallel. Um, but it's it's uh, I think when these things when the interests align when the ultimate goal aligns like you mm-hmm. might have different reasons for getting there same with what you're saying about the neo-expressionism it's like mm-hmm. if i said that word right yeah the yeah it's like for the business heads they see oh my god you guys have been leaving 50 percent of the money on the table because you're just obsessed with white wheels and black grip and you hate anyone who does weird tricks and mm-hmm. the business people who those people now answer to 
understand like there's a way bigger opportunity here. I, I am from the 90s. I did ride small wheels. I do ride black grip and white wheels. I understand all that stuff. There are some tricks I just that just disgust me. But at the same time, I'm willing <laughs> to be more open. I understand um, there's room for more than one type of skating right now. And I think the industry really needs to understand how to address that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that, that people know that. I heard Don Brown say something on some podcast the other day about like how he, it's like, how do we address this? We know that there's going to be sales in this area of the market. We know that like this, the biggest percentage of growth in skateboarding is probably young kids and like women who are coming into it. And if, if we're not providing like the product for them, are they just going to get something is, someone they could probably figure out how to copy it pretty fast from target or something Mm -hmm. you know so like do we as an industry learn how to embrace this and like welcome it and bring it in with it having its own space or do do we just you know and i don't say we in that like because i don't feel a part of that like traditional core of skate that like has guarded against that like you must do this you Mm -hmm. can't do this trick you can't do that Mm -hmm. you're like you know, mm. it's like this unspoken rule book. Yeah. Um, and certain people are welcome and certain people are, are welcome, but only over here in the corner. With their well, having, yeah. having ridden for some of those companies, uh, namely Don Brown's companies, I always felt like the... It is. I got a lot of bad sponsors that I've ridden for. Um, but the, the thing always seemed to be that like, people wanted to chase the numbers and the opportunity, but like they wanted to do it in an isolated fashion. You know, it's like you want to give shoes to Andy Schrock so that you can reach his audience of, of new skaters. But at the same time that really like isolates and alienates the, the quote unquote, like core market, you know? And so that's Mm -hmm. always, that feels to me to be the, the, um, there's a lot of tension there, which is like, how do we, how do we like tap into this market of, you know, and, you could call Andy Schrock or whatever those ninja or any of those like YouTube skaters kooks, but um, you know the truth. I call is, some of them kooks. I don't call all of them kooks. Yeah, but they 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 do reach a like a market of young skaters that are uh, you know again finding skating through the algorithm. You know, like they're that's how they're they're getting yeah. to yeah. it. They're you know, and uh, feedback TS is the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 truly though that uh, that honestly truly. feels the way that it is actually it's like thank god for it's like where, where 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 are they are where are they kind of being um like almost like a shepherd you know they're being uh, herded towards i totally agree it's sort of like this i don't have it totally resolved i don't think any of us do like we're all from this generation where we're like oh that's awful that's so whack get that away mm. from me but then you also want to be yeah. like I feel like skating is so good right now because it has been more welcoming mm-hmm. and because it has been more op- open. Yeah. You wouldn't see those crazy like impossibles to like 50-50 on like a street across a street gap. Like, yeah. you, you know, like that Kevin Rodriguez stuff is so good. And it's like that wouldn't have been allowed before. It'd be like, oh, that's not clean enough. We can't put it in the video. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it's like it's really stifling, I think, for something that. Like we all know how skateboarding always pretends like it's super open-minded, but then really it's also like the most guarded, like um, restrictive, you know, it's, it's always the same thing with like subcultures, I guess. And I think it's going through like this time when it used to be like, like my generation was like, 
oh, I found this record. Like I got this, like, you know, I'm into this band that's not even out yet. And now it's just like, oh yeah, listen to whatever, like comes through Spotify. It's just like predicted for me off a machine. It's fine. It's cool. Like there's no, like seeking it out and finding it doesn't define you. It's more like your values that define you Mm -hmm. rather than like what you associate yourself with. And that's sort of like the, the intersection we're at right now where like a lot of the people defining yeah. the industry are like it's what you're associated with that matters but like i think to the younger generation it's more about like your values and what you do that define you mm-hmm. that's a at least that's like kind of how i'm seeing it and i think the industry needs to do a little bit of figuring things out to address that yeah another uh, another indus- industry standard that i think is interesting is that skate park street footage is like a no-no and that's something that i know that that a lot of like women that i know that have you know careers in skating kind of butt heads with some of the older guys because you know most of the big brands are run by older street skaters who grew up in a an era of what they perceived as very tasteful skating and there is a new model of skaters who grew up skating skate parks that are actually really sick skaters, but they primarily film at skate yeah. parks. You know, like Aaron is a really good example on on Instagram of like someone who has, you know, really uh, captured the the imagination of a lot of, you know, like or, or the eyeballs of a lot of people like people you know, love their skating. Mm-hmm. And um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people have these old, outdated uh, modes of thinking, which is just if you if you're not filming those tricks at street spots, it's not something that we can market, you know. So like, when yeah, it still doesn't it still doesn't count. And I do that with the air quotes. Yeah, but yeah, it's still yeah. You have to be able like, to get tetanus when yeah. you fall. You it's I mean. a, yeah, it's like you can film transition <laughs> tricks at a skate park at a certain type of skate park, you know, a Petrero, not inside. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I am gonna be a difficult old purist on that though, because to me, I feel like the um half of the trick is how you use the sure, spot. Yeah, and yeah. like yeah, that yeah, yeah. doesn't apply, I guess, if you're going to like, you know, hubba or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm doing, I've got to prove myself here on the same spot that everyone else did. Like to me, what I do like is seeing random spots I've never seen before. That's my favorite thing in videos. And like somehow at a skate park that is never as magical. Like maybe I'm like, oh wow, that park looks really weird and really empty. What a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other <laughs> than that, like I don't think I've been personally like to inspire at least when i watch a video to me like one of the spots are half of it easily it's just like the imagination and the exploration and to me that's what makes like street skating street skating and not like vert skating or something sure yeah i agree vert skating looks amazing and impressive but it's sort of like a it's yeah just it's very different than like interpreting your environment yeah yeah what's weird is there's seems to be some sort of like paradox where i'm one of those stick in the mud sort of people that is like oh yeah it doesn't count if it's on street because street skating is so much more pure it's the most i I i'll say this like radical thing we do but actually that's total bullshit like if it were so fucking radical like there would have been a revolution and not (laughs) skate parks and now that there is there are skate there are skate parks like actually those kids that grew up skating skate parks are the one that are pushing for more inclusivity and all these sort of things Mm -hmm. like you know, with the with the rare exception of a place like Rockridge <laughs> or you know c- certain yeah. plaz- plazas, it's usually kids who have been put put together in like a kind of like sanctioned skate space that end up really addressing and redressing the kind of malignant um, 
patterns that have like evolved or been sustained in skating. Yeah. And I think a lot of that correlates back to like a safe space to skate when you're starting out. Yeah. Cause even, even yeah. like for me right now in Portland, I mean, there's parks, but they're really crowded. And when I'm trying to look for street spots, it's a little few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where, yeah, where do you go? Like when I grew up in my hometown, if there hadn't been skate parks, like we would have just been skating a flat concrete, like parking lot. That would have been the best thing. Maybe a two stair. Yeah. So I think that if we didn't having access to safe spaces is like, mm -hmm. it, it goes part and parcel with that to have a more inclusive skate crew because it is sort of in being, even though I love that a little bit, the chase with the cop cars coming down the stairs at union square back in the day, <laughs> it's exciting, but mm -hmm. it's not, it's not allowing skateboarding to be as welcoming as it could be. I think for a lot of people, like a safe space to skate is, like I'm feeling like that's so, so important right now and realizing it is probably the, one of the biggest factors. I mean, skateboarding right now is going yeah. through this massive growth in hard goods, but I think if like cities don't have places for people to go skate that's safe, that probably won't be sustained. Yeah. Like like everything in life, I'm of two minds. Um, I think that there are some, there are some, possibly radical downscale effects of challenging the conceptions we have of what is private property and, and what is eligible to be destroyed on account of us um, or, or can be morally justifiable in its destruction. Federal buildings. Um, no, I, <laughs> but I, I definitely ag agree with uh, you, Ted. I, I, we talked about that a little bit on the ideal, which is like, yeah, there's like, Part of part of becoming a culture requires drawing lines like it requires drawing lines between what counts in the street and what counts as, you know, sort of safe skating. That's, you know, this has danger. This has edge. We want to be outside of kind of what is acceptable. And so so yeah. anytime you are kind of, you know, defining yourself, even if it is defined in relation to being outside of something. Um, it requires drawing some lines. Um, and the, the problem is when those become tr kind of dogmatic traditions, which is when all the homies are boys and when, you know, certain, you know, certain tricks get you in and certain tricks get you out. Those, those things will always kind of be toxic. So yeah, having the ability for the culture to evolve, um, maybe, maybe those, safe spaces are, are definitely th those can be like the impetus for some serious cultural change, or at least for some moments of reflection where we start to grow even on the kind of like outside, you know, I guess core end. I don't know what the fuck you call whatever it is that we yeah. do. How much of your job, uh, Jesse, do you, do you, do you find yourself trying to, uh, inject the sort of like, uh, like traditions or 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 taste that you came to through the kind of like culture that you were grow that you were brought up in like like if you were looking for new writers or you're looking for new i i don't fucking know uh, <laughs> uh like yeah, ad layouts <laughs> do you are, are are you looking at two writers and you're like well this one's fast and dangerous and kind of squirrely and that like excites in a kind of cardielian way and this is a sort of like this is a sort of 
Ron sort of like Lambertian crooked grindstone. <laughs> 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 and like, do, do you find yourself having to, you know, you know, you imagine the case, you know, the, the slower sort of safer skating may play to a larger market in which you're trying to get them to wear new puigs, but at the other end, there's this sort of, I, I guess, more enthralling, heart racing, uh, you know, experience watching this other kind of sketchy uh, skater. Do you, do you find yourself having to kind of inject those traditional tastes into the, the choices that you make at Adidas? Um, I think, so it's like, imagine if there's like five of us on this call right now, but imagine if there were like a hundred of us. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And then imagine it's like, 50 more you got, of you, me. <laughs> you suggest, <laughs> you suggest like, oh, this person's sick. And then everyone's got an opinion and it's like feedback TS times a thousand. So <laughs> it's like, did I get the right feedback TS? I don't know. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's not like Alex's world where I call all the shots. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen there and yeah. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of rules of subculture from generations past that are, there's a lot of conversations there it's yeah it is it's pretty interesting that's why it's like always top of mind right now because it's like i feel like it's like a lot of these people are like oh i don't see that out there and i'm like well your algorithm is not what the average 22 year old is seeing you know that but they're not they're used to this world where it's like everyone sees the same trans world and it's like that era is not now Yeah. But there's still like this thinking that I'm a skater. What I see is skateboarding, but skateboarding is actually this and it's this and it's this. And it's like a bunch of Venn diagrams right now more than it is like this. a monolithic shared reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. much better said than I could have no. said it. Thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's the thing that <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. It's not monolithic. It's like these overlapping worlds. It's like parallel universes at some time. Do you guys have like 50 million different bot accounts that just like follow a different uh, variation of of skaters? And then you guys all we, just look at their ex- you look at all the different explore pages. Um, you have <laughs> we, to pay we, me we for that. We definitely should. It's actually my account and then everyone else who's probably got the exact same yeah. feed going on. <laughs> Mine is literally just bros in their apartment running guitar scales. It's the worst fucking explore page imaginable (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't often look at the explore page it is generally horrific it it pushes my buttons of like yeah it's not black grip white wheels it's definitely not that yeah there's always like you're gonna get some black wheelers in there you're gonna get some there's some benny hanos body variables everything you don't want to see i was down with this until uh, we talked shit on the benny hana (laughs) (laughs) i know it came up earlier in the call it's it's actually a really hard trick i love benny hanos i disagree (laughs) (laughs) oh you can do it i I have an odd knack one and it went (laughs) you can do it that's great just I tried one and that was it. I wish Fly I was out. good at switch flips. I got the Benihanas. <laughs> I, I tried one and luckily that was the end of it. <laughs> That's the right choice. Please. Follow that tradition. Uh, Keep that tradition alive at Adidas, please. Yeah, it's uh, it won't. Yeah, that won't have to be an effort. <laughs> the tide is going that way. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about algorithms and it is just really interesting to see like skating's like. It's, it's not that monolithic reality right now. It is a bunch of overlapping realities and images of it and 
to some degree that can make skating stronger but what you're saying is true like it's like a subculture is defined by having these small little nuances and so i guess that is the potential fear that those are lost yep. at the same time i do think like there's more to be gained from making it more inclusive yeah. than there is to be lost because otherwise it would just become like track and field or something where everyone's trying to just kick flip one more stair or you know stair the stair count era of skateboarding which kind of did i feel like did do a disservice to skating in the long run. It did a disservice to skate parks. That's for fucking sure. Except for Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My our, our first skate park in our city, Ryan's in mine. I mean, the thing is just like a, a, a calamity made of concrete, but it fucking it has a 10 stair with a hubba that's like this tall that goes down it and loops out like a water slide at the end. And then <laughs> And then 30 feet away, it has a 12 stair of the exact same setup. It's <laughs> fucking insane. And that's what we got. Yep. It's like. And we yeah. Andy grabbed it. Yes. <laughs> Probably some d design by committee kind of stuff there. Yeah. They're like, there's one park in my hometown that was built after I left. And all I can imagine is like, this seems very like Canadian to me. Some really well intentioned, really nice adult who's like, wait, wait, kids, you can all have something. And so there's like, oh, there's yeah. a, it's a snake run with like hubbas on the hips. It's, it's like pretty amazing. It's a ride on <laughs> rail that goes down a 20 stair. It's like for the right skater, it could probably be a pretty good time. But yeah, you better be good at like your Wally, Wally tricks into hubbas, but that's hot these days. So it's you know, that's where it, where it could go. Let's uh, let, let's talk about what's on the horizon for, for Jesse. Ooh, yeah. that's a good question. I should, you know, I, I want to go to SF in a few days. I'm. Let's skate, yes, please. Yes, I would love that. Rockridge, all the okay. spots, that beautiful yeah. green ledge that you I skate. I could get you into double rock, yeah. maybe. I don't have those powers, please <laughs> don't ask me for yeah. it. I just, I, I went there once, it's kind of cold. It won't be my first spot, I hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Uh, it's good. It's, it's good to have an indoor spot, though. Every seven years, there's a very rainy winter in the Bay Area. True. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still do have a lot of anxiety about the election, but I do really want to get down there. Like this time of year is beautiful, late summer in in the Bay Area, and I just miss it so much. Like, so cool. So you're coming down? I'm coming down. We're right. gonna skate. I'm gonna skate with Alex and make it down to the you know, peninsula there and. Um, you should skate the curb spot. Yeah. The, the DMV. All the DMVs are good. I yeah. don't know why that is. And it's true. Like, but this is the best one. You, a collab. Just, just keep thing, driving an extra. Yeah. Keep driving an extra twelve hours, and we'll take you to that ten stair. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. It's great yeah, when you hit the bottom Arizona. of the hubba. It's just zoop, zoop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you were explaining that, it sounded really fun, actually, because there was a handrail at our skate park that was like that. It was like a little roller coaster whoop-de-doo. Adam, yeah. Adam McNatt built Adam it. Adam McNatt doing two <laughs> nollie yeah. Oh, my God. From 50 nollie back yeah. three. I, yeah, I do uh, I do think a lot about the future. It's weird that I can't think more than a week in advance, but this has been an unusual year. Yeah. Better not to. I, I it can do always have a get second worse. passport. So, yeah, I mean, November 3rd will be interesting. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm basically waiting for my ballot to show up here so I can vote. And then I'm coming to SF whatever day that is when I can vote. <laughs> I, I feel cool. it, it must feel kind of nice to know that, like, you can leave, though. Right. Like, 
you you yes. probably have a place to stay in <laughs> Canada. Like, like I guess I could go to Albuquerque. There's no escaping this this nightmare if it gets any worse. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little worried. <laughs> um, that is definitely a nice backup plan. It's not the best place to skate in the winter, but uh, to live to be able to live um, yeah. with a good life quality. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I could deal with not having choice skate spots all winter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, on the horizon, I'm just trying to learn to be a better human right now. You know, there's so much going on, trying to be more present, trying to be there, trying to have meaningful conversations with friends. Um, I mean, I have always had so many little side projects on the back burner. I'm trying to get back into doing more design projects. So I've been, you know, dipping into that a little bit in my spare time, but there honestly hasn't been a lot of spare time because I'm really happy with a lot of the stuff we're doing at Adidas. Like it's been, it's been a crazy year for sure. And it's not ideal circumstances, but I do still feel really glad about the decisions I've made in my life. Like if I had stayed at Salesforce, my stock would be worth an amazing amount of money right now, but I'm very happy to have sort of struck a balance, I think, with being able to do something where I feel like I'm affecting change in an area that I'm really passionate about, as well as being able to have some stability, especially in this like crazy ass year. Yeah. And Salesforce didn't yeah. help distribute Mark Sushi's Verso. So no, Salesforce is like, you know, I worked there like seven or eight months. I would still have a hard time explaining what Salesforce does, but it is like... Yeah, they do technological solutions for uh, innovative design and uh, customer interfacing. <laughs> a lot of nice uh, buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's... I will say it was like run by really forward thinking people. And I did have like the most amazing, like in terms of like, pinnacle Silicon Valley experience. Like I went to the Dreamforce thing and it was so meta because they had the actors from Silicon Valley actually there and all that stuff they're making <laughs> fun of with the guy who was into all the the like luau's and the huts and the tiki mm -hmm. bars and all that. That's like making fun of the CEO of Salesforce because mm -hmm. he hires like, I'm sitting there listening to the most boring talk about enterprise software and then and then they're like, and now we'll have the monastics come in and like a thousand monks from Tibet walk in the room like chanting. <laughs> and, then, and then like there's a there's a demo of enterprise software. And then they're like, the monks leave. And later on they had like Polynesian dancers all come in playing conch shells and like dancing like luau stuff with their like hula skirts. And then the the actors from like Silicon Valley there were, were, were in some debate or present. It was just like the whole thing. I couldn't really figure out. It was a real blending of like realities. That's amazing. It was like being high, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's just really strange. Like I'm on some weird drugs, but this is real. I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate all kinds of weird experiences. Amazing. Thank you Jesse. for sharing them with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Skating's, yeah, some of those ASR trade shows were kind of weird too, you know, yeah. if you think about it. I took it. acid at one. That was such a bad idea. <laughs> this sounds like a really terrible idea. There's especially so I mean, bad. I should say like as a girl, but like <laughs> it was not the safest space for a young girl. Oh, it's at fucked. ASR yeah, it trade shows. so fucked. It was so sketchy. Especially in like yeah. 2002. I don't know. I feel like nine yeah, out of ten contexts mm. are are not a good uh time to do acid. 
There's, yes. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's like true. there's like this very small like pinhole of like setting environment crew that like needs to be in place for the acid to go well. I intentionally true. did acid in like terrible places for years like, just to do that. Is there fifteen thousand people around me? Super public, <laughs> yes. a lot of wide open space, a sh just an imaginable amount of like bright light, like strobing, and just like <laughs> great. This is gonna go really awesome. Should, should that just be? Yeah. The trick challenge this week is uh, skate on acid. <laughs> no, do not endorse that. Do you, ha Jesse? Do you have a Do you have a trick challenge uh, for for the listeners out there? You guys already did Nolly Tales, didn't you? We unfortunately <laughs> did. I do knew Nolly you were gonna Tale. say that, Jesse. I knew you were gonna say Nolly Tales. <laughs> I have like I have like five tricks I can still do, even if I don't skate for a really long time. That's one of them. What about I could up the ante? I'm not sure like what level are they supposed Just to be at? Just go what for about, it. Like, Nolly 5 -0? Just... Nolly 5 -0? Oh yeah. If, Fr if Nolly Tail is taken. Frontside or backside? Oh, either way. But but back, okay. but like backside, I can probably not do anything higher than a curb. So. So frontside is preferred. Yeah, I mean honestly, let's keep it open. Either way. You know, impossible yeah. into it if you want. Nolly, Nolly no, Frank would impossible yeah. to, to like, <laughs> There's, if you like. Or, or, or <laughs> Nolly, Jerry Sue and like 60 Nolly. explore page kooks on the whole planet who can do that. That's it. That's the list of people who can do it. <laughs> you have just defined it. It's the explore page kooks. That's like, that's what the industry's against. That's what the industry needs to come to terms I know. With. I, went through a, I went through a whole thrasherization where they like told me what was good, what was bad. I got a big like pentagram branding on my chest here. Uh, <laughs> it, it was sick. Yeah. I got, when I shave my head, you can see the scapegoat tattoo. It's like, it's sick. <laughs> Your onboarding is way different than most than sales. Yeah, I've heard I've heard yeah. it's gotten really mellow recently. So I hate I hate to know what the guys in the nineties went through. Yeah, I still have some kind of old world values about me and it it all comes from explore page trauma. Yeah, I, I would say I I mean, I think we all battle with that, right? Like we're like, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. But then you're like, Oh, but it's well, why am I turned I on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate this and I'm horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> I, I often think like, wow, I'm so glad I'm not trying to be sponsored now. I don't even want to look at that. It's fucking hard. <laughs> I've been trying for so long and I'm ready to throw in the towel. It's like... <laughs> Is anyone going to tell them? <laughs> Maybe we all just get less precious with it and we're like, oh, okay, these ugly tricks are totally fine i don't care yeah. it's like your business what tricks you yeah. do we're we we're currently hiring at crux for ugly tricks so <laughs> 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 we are explore page and then ryan yeah. and then nora <laughs> yeah there's like there's like a bef before they're allowed to make it to your legends squad you have like the you have like the crux tasteful squad Yes. <laughs> you have like eras you gotta evolve through. You gotta do like all the weirdest tricks and then you get like on the serious yes. the serious yeah. program. There's it's written there's, in our contracts. There's, there's a kingpin for every class of trick. <laughs> and they're all buttery. <laughs> they're all buttery. <laughs> I wish though, I on a on a sort of serious note, I wish that I had taken skating way less seriously when I was sponsored. That was totally the problem with like that era going into the early 2000s. Everyone was so, so serious. It's because they yeah. like, they were all listening yeah, to fucking Modest Mouse all the time. It was just I like... I was. You're... <laughs> <laughs> Everything was so oh, dramatic. Well, 
also like, also gangster rap like yeah you know, gangster rap yeah like all the bravado but, yeah but you know like fun fun is like a good having fun is a good trick yeah yeah and, and it's a bad powell video, video. Yeah, i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> the best trick is having fun yeah <laughs> it's, it's um, a good trick and about bad powell video That's yeah um i'm still yeah. a little feisty it's because I'm fucking sweating my ass off in my four-foot <laughs> closet. Yeah. Of your emotions? Yeah. Did, I didn't think this through. I don't think there's ventilation in here. I wonder if how the, as the industry moves up and, like, you know, we age out of being, like, the gatekeepers. Like, is the aesthetic all of a sudden in 30 years, is the Explore page kooks going to run the industry? Absolutely. And they're going to be on a podcast talking about yeah. it's not, whatever It's not the Explore next. page kooks. It's literally the Explore page. It's definitely just a, yeah, an algorithm it, it, in, a, in a Silicon Valley uh, warehouse somewhere. Some nerds at some hula dance, like, figuring out the <laughs> algorithm that will define the future of skateboarding and what everyone is able to see and not able to see. I can't wait to be dead before that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. 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 All right. Oh. Positive note to wrap things I up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. What an optimistic note to end on. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, skateboarding's good because it's creative. I think there's a remarkable amount of optimism in your story and, and what you've you've shared with us today. Um, um, did we do it? I think we did. I'm afraid for you trying to put this together in a linear fashion, but awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you all for the time. I totally appreciate talking so nice. with you all. And uh, I look forward to skating with you in a few weeks in the Bay Area. Yes. yes. Maybe, maybe in Arizona, yeah. but I... <laughs> Don't know that Arizona is somewhere I'm going to be rushing to in November. What? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jesse. You're the best. Thank you, Jesse. It was awesome talking to you all. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Our intro music is by the wonderful band Roar out of Phoenix, Arizona. And our credits music is by Alana Bryan whose region I think is Madison, but I could be wrong. Either way, naivetracks.bandcamp.com and logo and graphic design by St. Louis, Missouri's Michael Warfel. Thank you again for listening. Our ProFlow Patreon credits are coming up. Thank you. Okay.
and he's coming down the end. I think I'm done. Like a tortoise flip back onto a shell. Like a Gila monster soaking up the sun in hell. I start screaming for Sean Hinkleman, and that's just where the story begins. Out of nowhere, Luke Whitford just hops in, cocks back a six shooter, and starts popping. And Neil Shoemaker drags me away. So I look him in the eye and I start to say, Jesus Christ, did they kill Kenny? And he said it's worse. That was Tom Penny. And right away, I start screaming, no. I start crying in front of camera, Jim. Oh, and the sad part is that's nothing new. That's just what us cowboys do. Just another deadly fucking midnight hoe down in my old harsh rough desert hometown.